You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We have the ability to create stories in the palm of our hands. And so let's just do it and do it in a way that makes everyone feel loved and included. Hello, hello, hello. Greetings from New York City. It is Tony Howell. And on this episode of Conversations with Changemakers, we speak with Jelani Aladdin. He's most known perhaps for his performance as the title character in Disney's Hercules at the Publix Delacorte. But Jelani made his Broadway debut as Kristoff in Frozen the Musical, which earned him a Drama Desk and Drama League nomination for his performance. His work can be seen on CBS, AMC, Amazon, and more. But as you're about to hear, his heroic voice is finding new mediums through writing, producing, and activism. Whether through traditional media, social media, or the new media that he creates with his production company, Dumont Millennial Productions, I am so excited for you to hear this conversation. Enjoy. Jelani Aladdin, I am so excited you're here. Yes, I made it finally at long last. It's been a long chase, I know. It's fine. You've been a (laughs) busy, busy man. I I mean, I'm trying to stay busy. I don't know if I actually am doing anything of service, but I'm trying to stay busy. I am going to argue against that. You are totally being of service in the times that we're in, and I that's why you're on the show. Oh, thank you. I am excited to talk to you. And for our listener, we both are in New York right now under, you know, everyone's dealing with surprise circumstances. So Jelani, (laughs) I know that you recently started a production company. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, I have to take it back to like when I was in Frozen, right? And uh, I was standing on stage one night in the middle of the show and I was like, what am I really doing? (laughs) I was like, what am I actually doing here? Um, And I realized that um, I had to go. It was the moment I was like, I have to leave the show and I have to move on to actually pursue um, the creation of the stories that I really want to tell. And when when I left Frozen and I was looking around for my next job, I realized in all the things that came across my way, in most of them, I didn't really find that... um, project I was burning to do. Uh, and so I picked up a pen and I started writing my own 
project and my own projects, I should say. Um, and uh, then I was like, well, I need a place to do all of this. And I'm not one to sit by and wait for the phone to ring. I literally have never have done that. And so I was like, I'm going to make my own production company. And it, the vision for it started, I guess, two years ago. Flash forward to 2020 and we're all stuck in our homes. I was like, when else will I have the time to really do this and really do it well? Um, and so I began. I began with, you know, calling my mom, who's a fantastic businesswoman. And I said, hey, I want to start this business. You want to start it with me? And we kind of did. And we got did all the paperwork. And then I, I you know, I had, I had the mission statement and everything all drafted up and ready to go because I've been sitting on this vision for so long. And uh, now I am producing my very first uh, artistic production because I produced a kind of we a webinar about a month ago for um, the program that I went to in high school called A Better Chance. Um, and particularly about like the racism and the uh, issues they're facing in New Canaan, Connecticut right now with that. So I produced a three-day webinar, and now my first artistic endeavor is a virtual reading of a play that I love so much called Good Night, Tyler by B.J. Tyndall. And it's going to be directed by Kent Gash, and I just can't wait to share with the world. We're going to present it on the eve of the March on Washington, which I will also be attending. And uh, I'm just excited for um, this new venture, this new side of me, a producer. Yes, Mr. Producer. <laughs> well, I want to applaud your work. And there's a couple of things uh, that I want to ask you. Is that webinar available for replay? Yes, it is. So we do have um, the panels on YouTube. Uh, if you type in A Chance to Unpack is the name of the series. And uh, you can find the videos on YouTube. Uh, the first day we talked about um, A Better Chance and what that program actually is. And we spoke with alumni of uh, the program and of other programs around the country. And then uh, the second day, we took a look at the high school, New Canaan High School, and what was going on inside their curriculum, social, um, and how the students felt before 2012 and after 2012. I chose that date because I believe that the world, our country actually uh, changed uh, around 2012-ish um, with the uh, murder of black men becoming more public mm -hmm. and becoming a kind of like a, a video reality show in a creepy, horrible way. Um, and so that changed our culture. Um, and then the last day is called Allies and Friends and it explores, you know, what is an ally and who our allies were and who our allies weren't. And, you know, we have conversations with those allies and with our friends as well and try to unpack what exactly it means to be an ally. So those are the three days and they're on YouTube. Well, I will make this easy for all of us and I'll include those as well as information about your upcoming reading. Um, hopefully we can all attend that live, but I'll have all the resources yes. underneath uh, this conversation in one place for everyone. You mentioned a mission and a vision statement. And one of mm. the things I want to reflect on that I even felt in my journey was I think that we are creators and interpreting someone else's work can only be so fulfilling. So I love that you're starting mm. to create. Um, so what is a little bit of the mission and the vision? So um, I think the vision, well, the mission is... Um, it's a it's going to be a, like a multimedia production company, right? And and I I say multimedia because 
I don't believe that we can no longer be confined to one art form. We must be uh, versatile. We have to be able to work in the theater, work on TV, work in film, work on Instagram, work <laughs> on voiceovers, work on video games. I mean, like, it, you have to be able to do it all. Um, so it's a new multimedia production company, and it's going to amplify the unheard voices of first-generation Americans in particular. Um, while exploring how we use new technologies and innovative forms of storytelling. I'm looking, I'm interested in breaking forms and sharing the stories of um, these kind of new millennial uh, people who are now coming to, who are are born of this country, like myself, and are still um, uh, reckoning with the history of the other places our families have come from and with you know, what it means to be American in this moment. Um, so that's, that's what the project's really going to be about. That's incredible. And I'm wondering Thanks. if you can tell us a little bit about your history. I will also say I'm going to link to all the podcast interviews you've done because I listened to them all and they're all incredible. <laughs> oh, so my intent was not to ask you the same questions in this conversation. But if someone's <laughs> lazy, let's give them the Cliff Notes version of your your childhood. Yeah, so I'm from Brownsville, Brooklyn, and um, I uh, grew up in the church, essentially. The church was, I have a West Indian family. My family's from Guyana, South America. And uh, the church was a huge part of my upbringing. uh, And I think it instilled a lot of principles in me. And the most important principle that it instilled in me and my family and my mother and all my loved ones kind of, you know, planted inside of me is that I could be anything I wanted to be. And I kind of really ran with that idea. I, my, my imagination was limitless. Um, and I knew that through hard work, I could really achieve whatever I wanted to. And so, um, I, uh, (laughs) my mother made me sing in church. I did not want to, she made me. Um, and I came to learn to accept that, 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 that's what I did. And then, um, I decided to take choir in like middle school. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I was like, I want to go away for high school. I, 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 I want, you know, I want a better future for myself. And I feel like I can only achieve that if I get out of Brooklyn. So then I went to high school in New Canaan, Connecticut, which is the complete opposite of Brownsville, Brooklyn. I had never seen wealth like this ever before. And I had to insert myself into that space and kind of find a way to hold on to my authenticity and identity. And that was very hard. Um, And uh, I went through four years of that program. And there's where I found theater um, and I found the performing arts. And I was like, is this something that you can do? Is this a career? What can I do it? Um, And (laughs) I uh, decided to go to NYU for college to study uh, acting and um, I was convinced that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then I started working uh, regionally around the country doing plays at first. I did not want to do musicals because I felt that there wasn't a place in, mu- for musical, in musical theater for me. And uh, I was kind of proved wrong by the universe um, with that mentality because um, some great musicals came my way. Uh, the first one post-graduation was Violet a production of Violet that I did. Uh, and I was like, all right, I can do this. And I came back to New York and I went to an open call, got Frozen, Frozen happened. Uh, I did Hercules, Hercules happened. Yes, you did. And, 
And now I am, and then I started doing a TV show, The Walking Dead, The World Beyond, which was supposed to premiere back in April, but we now have a premiere date for October 4th. So be sure to check that out. You won't see me until the latter half of the series, but I'll be there and then I'll be there. Um, and I, I actually can't tell you more it than that. It sounds interesting. There's a twist. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it's it's a really fantastic show. And, um, and now I've... One wanting to produce and wanting to write and wanting to continue to reframe my artistic appetite and um, and have a expansion of myself. Um, so that's where I'm at. That's the summary. I hope that that's. I mean, that was great. Attracts. I'm like, that's the two minute version. <laughs> Can I uh, ask one question? I know one of the interesting things was that you got a full ride to University of Michigan, but decided that's to right. go to NYU. So can you mm-hmm. highlight that choice? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's I feel like I've always been making really wild, bold uh, choices since I was a freaking kid. Like, I mean, I decided at 13 that I'm going to leave home mm-hmm. and go to a place where I was literally one of two black students the entire high school. Like, that's... That's what I kind of, that gives you a sense of how daring I really am. Um, But when it came time to apply to schools, I visited Michigan and I was not in love with the student culture there. I was not in love with the idea of being on this huge campus, the idea that these classes, and I sat in a whole day of musical theater classes for their program there. And I was like, this just feels so cookie cutter. And I, I I mean, I don't see myself fitting in here. I don't see myself expanding here. Um, I know that it might be great for other people, sure, but it wasn't the right fit for me. Um, and But I still gave my all in the audition process. Uh, and I, um, I got in clearly, and I got a full ride and I got into NYU. And that was being led by Kent Gash and Michael McElroy and Byron Easley and all these amazing African-American artists. And I was like, sign me up for that, to be a pioneer, to be the first class in a new program at New York University with all black teachers, with people who are working in the industry, with Tony nominated director, Sun Foster was my first vocal performance teacher. I mean, like, you can't, you can't get that anywhere else. And I was like, I have to be there. On top of that, I knew that coming back to New York City, I needed to restore my authenticity. I needed to restore, I, I needed to see myself reflected in the halls and, 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 and in the streets. And at Michigan, I did not see that. And that would have been crushing for my soul after four years away, already not seeing that. Um, and so I said, you know, bring on the... 90k plus in debt (laughs) let's bring it on and i'm going to nyu yes well i want to just thank you for sharing that and so boldly uh like you do and i think it highlights an importance of culture for for everyone listening Mm. what i want to zoom in on and kind of try to connect the dots is you are a bold fearless pioneer and leader you've been leading companies you've been taking charge of your own life so where do you think that comes from? Hmm. I think uh, I think it comes from a very early age of me understanding that I was different, that I was not, I'm not like 
many people. I mean, even now when I like have my friend circle, they're like, you're such a weirdo. And I'm like, yeah, I am. And rather than um, being seen as the weirdo, I want to be seen as the person that's exceptional. The like the one, you know, it's like I, from a young age, I was like, if I flip the narrative on that, then I have control and power over how it goes rather than being subject to other people kind of trying to uh, uh, pin me as something or make me something. I'm like, I'm going to make myself into this other thing, <laughs> you know? Jelani um, Aladdin. <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Whatever that means, but sure. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, in, in spaces where you're the minority, um, you have to find a way to kind of be exceptional or you'll get stomped on in this society. It's kind of sad, that, and I hope that it's, I hope that that's changing. And I, I, I believe that that is changing. But for so long, um, when I was growing up, the narrative was, you know, oh, what, you don't play sports? Oh, what, you're like one of like six black kids in this entire school? Oh, what, you're, you sing? Oh, what, you can dance too? Oh, what, um, you like to play Yu-Gi-Oh cards? Like, you know, all these things that are like so um, eclectic. And, 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 and I was like, yeah, I am all these things. I'm full of contradictions. I am, I am, I am many, many, many things, and I'm going to celebrate them all. And I'm going to um, show you that it can be great when you accept all of it, mm. that I can be great when I accept all of it. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where that leadership quality comes from. Thank you for sharing that with us and sharing everything that you are, which is exceptional and extraordinary. Now let's look, you have been leading for a long time, but specifically mm -hmm. in our industry, you've been leading musicals, plays, mm -hmm. TV, film. Uh, what needs to change for future generations of storytellers mm -hmm. that are coming up behind you so that we can make these work cultures better for BIPOC, LGBTQ+, disabled, et cetera? Right, right. Um what needs to change? <laughs> I think that hopefully everything changes because if we're not evolving as a business, we're not evolving as a society. Like I feel like some of, it's so interesting that like some of the issues we're running into now is because people are still holding on to beliefs of the way the world was 10 years ago even, right? And it's like, you have to constantly be assessing where's the world now and how can that uh, manifest in the art we create and the stories that we tell. And if those two things aren't meshing and matching, there will always be conflict. There will always be this kind of feeling of like, you're not seeing us. Um, and I think there's also a weird belief that like there aren't audiences for by POC, LGBTQ+, disabled, et cetera, stories. And you're like, you are so wrong, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And in fact, those people are actually becoming the majority of Americans. Um, and, and I think there's actually like research that says that in time that will be the case. So get on board with it and, and, and share the wealth and share the space um, to tell these stories. Um, and then we have to also, we have to trust that those kinds of artists and myself included in that mix um, will 
produce great products. We'll make great art. We'll, we'll actually make compelling things. Um, we are smart, intelligent, powerful, empowered people um, ready to do the work that um, and ready to do it probably better than you could have ever imagined. I think, you know, um, there's something about that trust thing that is huge. Um, and it's like, uh, I mean, if, if I'm talking through personal experience, I'm going to compare Frozen to Hercules, you know, um, granted, I was younger when I was doing Frozen. So I myself was going through a learning curve, but I still knew a lot. And I still um, believe that, like, if I had, was given the trust and space to share the things that I knew, Frozen would have been a better product. Um, whereas when I started Hercules, I was like, ah, uh-uh. No, I'm going to put my foot down and I'm going to assert my energy and I'm going to bring all of me into the room because you need to know that this is the extent of what I can do. And this is the extent of the knowledge that I have gained over the years to bring to this form, to make something compelling. So trust me. Um, So I think that we just have to trust that uh, people will rise to the occasion when given the opportunity. Simple create the revolving doors. And, and if I can help do that, if I can help create more revolving doors for the people behind me um, to, to step into and grow and learn and execute, then that's what we need to do. And I hope others join me in that endeavor. I'm with you. I'm like, sign me up. I'm on board as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to ask you maybe what would you say to Jelani who just got the call for Frozen or a future oh. Jelani who just graduated from a right. university and they're they're stepping into a big opportunity. What do you wish you knew then? Gosh, I wish I really understood how business works. I think I was so wrapped up in, in the uh, ideal of like, oh my God, Broadway, like this, like, magical thing that we've always heard of that we dreamed to get to but it's like okay let's strip that away for a second and talk about the reality of how does the business actually work i think that is not taught enough i think that is not kind of um talked about enough in terms of you know especially commercial theater what that is really about um and and theater by corporation also what that is also about because i did not really know anything about that and i had to go on a learning curve about that and how um limited the space is inside of that to 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 be authentically you um i would tell young jelani to um stop being shy (laughs) i think i was a bit shy I would say stop, don't be shy and 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 trust that you are enough and that you will be seen and that people will respect you. I fe- I think I feared um not being kind of enough for to be in that room and I, it wasn't necessarily an imposter syndrome. I think it was more like I am young and I just am inexperienced in terms of this kind of uh high profile work, but at the same time, that shouldn't limit uh, how fully and vigorously I assert myself into that space. Well, you were phenomenal in the show, so let's just- You're very kind. <laughs> that is very kind of you. I, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not proud of my work in that show. I, I don't think I ever will be. Um, I think I am proud that I existed in the space of that character, yes. 
I think that that was a huge win for the world um, and, and for me. And, and I just don't think I will ever come to the day where I'll be like, I was proud of that. Would you do the role again? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think that there are just some, there are just some huge flaws in how it was constructed because again, I did not speak up or fight hard enough for the things that I wanted to see. Are you proud of Hercules? Absolutely. 1000%. I am proud of every single breath that I put into that production. I found it so interesting. And before I ask you this question, I want to take a moment to thank you for the courage, the bravery, the talent, the craft, the work ethic, like everything that you bring to the table, but especially the vulnerability. And Mm. so I found it very intriguing, interesting, wonderful to know. And I want to highlight it here that you got hired um, and then fired and then hired (laughs) again for Hercules and then slayed New York City and, and the world arts news. So can you tell us a little bit about your own hero's journey with that project? Yeah, it was kind of right. They always say that art reflects life, right? And it was like, wow, this is this journey to to standing center stage, seeing go the distance on opening night was a hero's journey, <laughs> you know. Um, so there was, I really had a lot to draw from. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, it's that um, it's that thing where uh, a great director, his name is Ken Cash said to me that everything you need is already inside of you. He's, he would always just say that in college and I never really understood what that meant. Um, but this Hercules journey kind of proved that to me that everything I needed was already inside of me. I just got to figure out how to bring it out, how to execute it um, so sharply that it, that it, it um, that other people understand that too. Um, and so the process of finally doing a title character, finally doing a title Disney character, finally um, reinventing a character and bringing my complete history of who I am to this this narrative that was not created to include that, um, to learning how to sing Go the Distance. And that was a huge journey. I could not sing that song um, in the beginning. And that's part of the reason why I got fired, really, is because on the... Um, uh, final uh, presentation day, like I cracked on the last note and it was just like, whoa, everyone's unsure. Will this ever happen? Blah, blah, blah. Um, granted, it was the first day of winter and it was 10 a.m. So, yeah. and go the distance happens in the first 10 minutes of the show. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I don't think it's going to be that pretty, but okay. Um, um, and, and just, and trusting that uh, other people on the creative team kind of understood what exactly my vision for the character was and what I was trying to do that I wasn't actually trying to be malicious in any kind of way. I was just trying to bring the story to my story because you hired me. If you hired me, you can't act, you have to actually accept all that I am. And that includes the history of what it means to be a black man in America on stage, period. You cannot delete that from my existence. So therefore that you cannot delete that from the character. Um, And so all those things had to come along. And I felt, I feel like certain people on the creative team weren't sure if that was the things they wanted to bring along to their project. In my head, I was like, no, these are the things that will make your project actually special. These are the things that will separate this from the work that uh, this company has done before. Mm -hmm. Um, And so 
I was getting ready to move to LA to, to continue my TV and film career and be like, all right, I was right. There really is no place for me in the theater, especially the musical theater. So let me get out of here. And I remember the day I was going to grab my keys to like go to my managers and be like, all right, in two weeks, we're, we're going to do this. And I get a call being like, hey, we want to cast you as Hercules. And I was like, that's crazy because I completely let y'all go. I completely moved on. <laughs> it was like I had no vision of ever doing that show on stage. And it came back to me. And I was like, okay, time to reassess and time to really um, come to the table with exactly what I want to do with the show. I mean, even in the rehearsal process, like things would get choreographed and they would leave me out. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to do this dance with them. I'm going to be center with them. I want to push myself to the furthest limits. Let's go. Otherwise, why do it? Why? You know, um, go the distance for me is about, you know, all the black men that have been enslaved, incarcerated, uh, murdered uh, and held back and, and them finally feeling that they... <laughs> are gods that there's a place for them that black is king <laughs> you know what i mean like that is really what go the distance was about for me and i was not gonna ever let it be about anything else i stood up for that that's amazing and uh i'm excited i i know we don't know what's happening with the project you might uh i do yeah okay <laughs> well <laughs> i don't think i and i'll be honest i don't think i see myself uh playing the role ever again okay um I think that part of the responsibility for is like, if I really want to create revolving doors, then I actually, I have to step aside. I do have to step aside and let, let the younger person who will actually probably be better for the role because he's supposed to be 18 anyway, um, <laughs> the younger person do it and, and be better than I could ever imagine my, the role being. I want to thank you for everything that you brought to the project. And I don't want to like, bounce off of what you just said. Um, there's two things I want to react to. You said Kent Gash had everything you, you have everything you already need. And I love that my version of it is like the gay version of like Dorothy Gale. She had everything she needed all along. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second thing that you said, the other thing I want to react to, I feel like you've said twice that you didn't think musical theater had a place for you. Do you Mm -hmm. still feel that way? (sighs) I, um, <clears throat> that's a good question. No, I, I would say no, because I've proven myself wrong that I can create my own space in this industry. Like I can, how do I say this? So like growing up, you have idols, right? You have people that are like in, especially in the musical theater business, there's only about like five other black leading men that I can really name for you mm-hmm. <laughs> that I looked up to, you know, there was Ben Vereen, there was um, Joshua Henry, there was Leslie Odom Jr. There was uh, Brian Stokes Mitchell, you know, those were uh, Norm Lewis. Those were the sounds that like what a black man was supposed to sound like if he wanted to be on Broadway. Right. And so in my training, I was like, then I have to sound like that. And and that kind of that kind of messed me up a little bit because it's like those people didn't think that. They kind of just went in and did their thing. So why am I here now trying to recreate their thing when the thing that's gonna get me the jobs, the thing that's gonna create the space for me is my authenticity, my individuality, my personal sound. I don't need to sound like nobody else, period. So um, once I actually realized that 
that that there being no space for me was actually just code for stop trying to be like somebody else. Mm. Then I realized that there was space for me. I heard you say when you did the cat in the hat, this breakout role for Jelani, uh, (laughs) that you were interpreting, that you were sort of like mimicking in a way. And I feel like there's something there. There's a through line and maybe a lesson for the listener, because if Mm. you are in an interpretive art form, what is your advice to find that authentic self within a character that has already had? Yeah. I do think there's a journey through that, right? The, the, there actually is a little bit of mimicking, if you want to use that word, that happens in everyone at the beginning, right? Because you're like, I actually don't know what the I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I actually need to watch someone who knows what they're doing. It's like watching a Meryl Streep film and being like, oh, I see what she's, I kind of, I see what she's doing. So let me try to kind of um, do that for myself, right? You actually have to see it to kind of like understand it, um, especially because uh, it's an, it's a visual art form, period. So um, I think there is some quote unquote mimicking that happens. And then at a certain point you realize that like, okay, if I mimic everything that actually doesn't work for me, what actually Um, makes me feel good like what actually makes me feel like oh yeah this fits like there is actually I I can't even put into words what that feeling is but there's a tangible feeling that happens when you're like ah the glove fits I have found my way in Um, and you 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 just know it when it happens you can't you can't really uh, describe it in terms of like execution of work like do this do that do this and that equals that you can't actually do that there's no science to that but there is that affirmation, that feeling that you get when you're like, nah, I've put in now everything that I am into this and it's now authentically mine. Um, and and there's a journey to that. And so you try, you try, you try, you fail, you fail, you fail. Then you succeed once or twice and boom, you understand what that thing is. Like uh, for me, it's bringing all my contradictions to the plate, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a black man. Born and raised in Brownsville, but went to high school in Waspy Ridge, New Canaan, Connecticut, but then also went to NYU and studied musical theater, but also I love acting. And then, like, um, I played sports for a little bit, but then also I did theater. Uh, There's so many things that, like, uh, uh, I was on a step team when I was younger. (laughs) You know, you have all these things that kind of, like, uh, they do. They contradict each other, and that's what makes interesting art. In my opinion, I don't know about anybody else. Yeah, and I, I I will reflect that for anyone that's not an actor that's listening. I even in my own journey as an entrepreneur, there was some yeah. modeling or mimicking or you know looking to see who you could follow. But then you kind of have to find your own path and and right. throw away the blueprint and say like, okay, here we go. Throw away the blueprint. I love that. I love that moment when you're like, all right, I. I think it's a moment of like when you kind of abandon abandon your script in our business kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, all right, this is the blueprint. It's all on the page. And now I'm like closing that and I'm going to start living and actually like understanding that I'm confined in this space, in this thing, but I'm going to find ways to like get from corner, corner left to corner right that are far more interesting than what could ever be on the page. Respecting that the page has given me the foundation. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Boom. Soundbite. 
<laughs> Jelani, what would you say? We're gonna go. We're gonna look back, and then we're gonna look ahead. What would you say to young Jelani that are the misconceptions about this industry? Uh, that it's not a fairy tale. Mm. <laughs> you know, I think that when you're on the outside, you you really believe that, like, wow, like it's a fairy tale. Like, look at all these you know, these stars and how pretty they are. And, but they're real people too. <laughs> they eat and shit just like you. <laughs> and they uh, also have stresses and, 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 and uncertainties and difficult decisions to make and hard times and sad times. And all those things exist within those people. Um, so the fairy tale that like you get to Broadway or you get to a, a series regular job and a TV show, a hit TV show, and you get a Tony Award and an Emmy Award and everything's great, your life is perfect. That's not really, that's not real. <laughs> I don't think that exists in any business, really. Um, so I think that's just a misconception about, about our business in general. And because sometimes our job is to make it look easy, right? Our job is to, you don't want to see effort. When I go to, the, uh, when I watch anything, I'm like, I don't want to see the work. I just want to see someone living through something, right? And that is a misconception that people think, oh, it's so easy. I can do it too. But it takes hard ass motherfucking work to get this thing um, at a level that is great, exceptional. Um, and I think that in the beginning, I was like, oh, this has got to be so easy. They're just like on stage running around singing and dancing and or they're on screen, you know, saying a couple lines while like, you know, acting out on set. That's so easy. <laughs> it's not. And, you know, for some people, it may come easy. Um, but uh, for me, it's always been hard work. I had the same experience right now, today, in this present moment. What is your advice for the listener? What do you do to take care of yourself in the pandemic, in the racial injustices that are happening? How is Jelani practicing self-care? Oh, man, I love to eat. <laughs> I'm like, all right, what can I eat my feelings away with today? <laughs> um, I also think that I'm taking time. In the beginning, I was really glued to the TV, to the news, I'm taking like, you know, days to kind of like just step away and just kind of like be quiet, you know, um, as much as you put out into the universe, you got to also listen to balance. Um, and so I, I take a couple like this past weekend, I, um, you know, went up to my host family in Connecticut and I went to their home, you know, after being, you know, tested and everything like that. And I had a few days away where I unplugged and I was like, I need this kind of mental reset of like, all right, it's a new week. Every week, actually, <laughs> I do do this every week, every Sunday night. I'm like, I'm going to take a pause, take a reset, and um, prepare myself for whatever will come my way this week because things got um, so unexpected, uh, especially around, you know, the murder of George Floyd and then, like, COVID actually not ending. And then uh, now we're going back to schools and people are like, what is that even going to be? Um, so all those things, um, you never know what's coming your way, what's coming down the pipe. So literally just breathing. I used to do this thing in the beginning of the pandemic where I take 10 minutes every morning and listen to um, a song or a moment from an old project that I did to remind myself that like, that was a good time. That felt good. Um, and you, you need those moments. We, we all need the moments of like, you got it, kid. You know? Mm -hmm. 
I, I want to kind of look forward a little bit, and, and that's the kind of scary thing right now. We don't know what the future looks like, but right. if Jelani could whisper in the ears of people at your level, veteran artists that are leading players in the, in the industry, TV, film, theater, writing, mm-hmm. producing, what advice do you think that they need to hear for 2021 or even you know November of this year? What do we want to plant uh, as a seed? I would say, let's go harder. Let's go harder. Like we have been doing it. Let's push the limit. (laughs) Let's go as far as we can um, and really push through those doors and be like, we are here and you cannot deny anything about us any longer. Um, That's the mentality I'm walking into 2021 with is that you cannot deny my existence, my individuality any longer because I will constantly be throwing it into your face. Because that's what other people do who have the privilege to do so. So why not I do the same? And then it's your responsibility to to provide me with equality. Pay me what I am worth, (laughs) you know, um, see me see my stories, share my stories, and just let's go harder. Let's go hard, y'all. Yes, I'm with you. And I want to ask you, circle back to DuPont, can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on so that if anyone's listening, including myself, and and we want to support the work, um, yeah, what what all is happening? So at the moment, you know, um, on August 27th at 7 p.m., we will be doing a live stream reading of Goodnight Tyler by B.J. Tyndall, directed by Kent Gass, featuring some amazing actors. We are about to lock up our cast in just, I think, a couple hours. Um, and uh, it's a play about a young man who is... Um, actually, wait, I can't give that information away because... <laughs> There's some spoilers that I can give away, and I don't want. I want. I want someone to come to it with a, a, um, a fresh mind. But it's in benefit of the National Black Theater, and I chose that institution because one, that institution was founded uh, many, many years ago by a black woman, which I think is incredibly powerful, um, and it's one of the you know the nation's only um, institutions that really shares black stories and uplifts the black artistic voice. And I wanna do a benefit for them. And so we're hoping that people tune into the live stream um, and donate um, to the survival of this theater, of this institution that will help create further revolving doors um, for African-American artists behind us. Uh, And uh, now more than ever that is needed, Uh, I think that uh, that's one of the projects I'm working on. Also, October 4th will be the premiere of The Walking Dead, The World Beyond. So please tune into that. Um, and, you know, if you're on the message boards, be like, I like that character that Jelani's playing. Like, let's keep him alive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, that, so you can see me for many, many more seasons. Um, uh, what else? Um I'm, I'm writing a few projects that I'm not ready to quite share details and specifics about yet. Um, and that's all that's really coming down the pipe for me. I mean, granted, every single day the world changes and something new comes into my life. And who knows what I'll be doing tomorrow or in a month from now, rather. Um, but, yeah. but yeah. It's exciting. And I want to take a moment to lift up National Black Theater. 
I saw a performance mm-hmm. there from the American Slavery Project, also an incredible moving institution. Um, mm-hmm. But watching Jonathan McCrory, I might be messing up his last name. That's correct. Okay. The artistic director speak on the Broadway Advocacy Coalition, like so, so powerful. And that's definitely... I, I think that they are leading the way. And so along with Jelani, um, I hope that he's a future guest. Planting the seed, Jonathan, let's chat. <laughs> he's amazing. He's amazing. I've known him for many years. Yeah, he's he's wonderful, as are you. So I want to ask you, I heard you speak on a podcast, and one of the responses that you gave early when people asked, how are you, you said that you're a warrior. You always yes. have been. Mm. So, Jelani, what are your weapons, and what does winning the battle look like? Uh, what are my weapons? Um, I think I've always believed that uh, education and knowledge is power. <laughs> and so me being the uh, smartest, most in tune um member of civilization is 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 a weapon for me um understanding history understanding um everything about politics everything about um systemic racism everything about finance everything about business everything about um love and (laughs) relationships and all those things that that knowledge for me um knowing all of that is is a huge weapon right um also, I think that uh, understanding the uh, psychology of other humans, I actually took a psychology course in, um, in college because I was so fascinated, <clears throat> excuse me, I was so fascinated with the human mind and how we um, kind of understand each other that like, I think that I've always been able to relate to people and see people um, past where they are right now and see their potential. And sometimes that's a good thing. And sometimes it's not a good thing because I don't see what's actually right in front of me. And then, 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 you know, then my shield is weak because I'm, I'm just seeing what the person can become. But there's also something to that, having that vision. I think having vision is another weapon um, of being able to be like, oh, I see where you are now, but I also see where you can be um, if you so choose to go after the best version of yourself. Um, I think I have, you know, a good instinct. I think that comes from, uh, you know, growing up in an environment where it was kind of like, you know, you were always on the watch, always um, kind of... um, in tune with your what was happening around you um, and knowing, you know, do I turn right on this block or do I turn left on this block? Um, knowing that like one might lead to the non-safety of myself, you know, like just an internal instinct of what, what is right, what is wrong. Um, and, uh, and the principles that I was instilled with when I was younger, um, that uh, you treat everyone with kindness, that you, uh, you stand up for yourself and what you believe in, that you uh, try to be of service to others at all times, um, that you uh, share uh, uh, your the blessings that have been gifted to you, um, 
that um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, there's so many things that um, little sayings that we used to say to ourselves um, in church that have carried me and prepared me um, kind of for the uh, the life moments where you're like, what the fuck do I do now? And you're like, <laughs> all right, let's pause. <laughs> let's pause and, and reflect back to, is there anything that someone has said to me that kind of has prepared me for this moment? There are some things you learn in life that you that actually aren't of service to you mm. until much later. And you have to kind of hold on and bank them somewhere. And then when you when it's time, you're like, ah, I got it. That thing that that person said to me 10 years ago, it now applies now. Um, if you want to talk about an artistic example of that, <laughs> Sutton Foster, like, I remember one of the first days of class, he was like, what are you doing? Just stand and sing the song. And I was like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's, <laughs> she's such a hack. Oh, my God. And then flash forward to um, four years later as a senior in college, I was like, all I have to do is stand here and sing the song and actually just stand here and tell the story. She was right. <laughs> and I didn't understand it um, until four years later. So um, I'm a warrior and I have tons of tools that have been um, stocked up over time and I'm still sharpening my tools as I continue to learn and grow and expand. I have so much more life to live, to learn from, and I'm excited to continue that journey. I think that that's brilliant. There was a, there's a twist here that I wanna ask you. You talked about stories that stay with you and then they like pop back up. This morning mm -hmm. in my meditation, it was about letting go of things. Like we're so focused on acquisition, but like, so mm -hmm. do you have anything that you were able to let go of that you said, actually, that's not true? It's interesting, right? You're right, it is a twist because you're, 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 you're banking and you're holding on, but there are some things that you actually cannot hold on to because they're not good for you. Um, like, for example, there were some moments in the process of um, me growing up and uh, and even up to the process of moments in Frozen where people said some really nasty things to me. And it's kind of like, I can't hold on to that. I can't, um, I can't actually um, allow that to um, be stored inside of me and grow because that will create, you know, sickness and, 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 and heartache and angst. And I don't want those feelings to, um, to live inside of me fully. Um, and so I do have to forgiveness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> forgiveness is key to find ways. And I personally find the best way to forgive is to actually um, face the thing head on, to go to the person that said that thing to you, to go to the person who did that thing to you and say, you did this and it hurt me. And I have to let you know that. Um, and kind of actually, really interestingly enough, one of the reasons I wasn't able to sing Go the Distance is because I was holding on to some hurt um, from my time at Frozen. And I had to actually go to those people and say, hey, you hurt me. <laughs> And I have to let this go if I want to move on. And that shedding allowed the space for my my chakra, my heart chakra, and my throat chakra to open up again. And then I'm able to do to do the job. Um, and thanks to Liz Kaplan for identifying some of those issues. Um, more so about the issues of what I was holding on to that I haven't hadn't let go of that I needed to. Um, and so I I, th I think that letting go is incredible huge part of life mm -hmm. and it it sometimes you can't do it alone sometimes you, you have to actually 
go to the source and say, hey, I'm hurt. I need you to know that. <laughs> I need you to understand that um, for me to get better. You know? You have planted some difficult seeds in my own garden. Now I have to attend to these, um, but thank you for that. (laughs) It's not easy. It's not easy. And I think that it's interesting. I've said this quote so many times to my development team for a chance to unpack when we were trying to identify the questions of like, how do we, you know, talk to these people who have done racist acts to us? Um, And it's like, I don't understand how we as humans could build rockets, like go to the moon and get to the moon and come back and then be like, let's go to Mars. But we can't turn to our neighbor, our family member, our friend, our coworker, our boss and say, hey, you hurt me. We can't actually have conversations like that. Why? Why is that so difficult? It should be the easiest thing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) far easier than building rockets to the moon, I imagine. Um, And so I believe that open communication will be so healthy for our our human race. It really would. I actually want to say thank you as well to you again, because during the George Floyd protests and the awakening of so many of us uh, that the curtain was pulled and we see this systemic racism, we see the straight, white, heteronormative patriarchy that is grasping with white knuckles on their power. And your Mm -hmm. voice, your powerful voice on social media really challenged me and inspired me to to speak up. So I want to thank you for that. Um, of course. And I also want to ask, because, you know, I'm in this business about digital marketing and such. Um, <laughs> so you're active on social. Can you share a little bit about how you approach it as an artist, as mm. a human? Um, what is your social media strategy? I don't think I have a social media strategy. And I think that actually... Um, you know, right now that's working for me in terms of like whatever I want to post right now and I feel like posting, I'm going to post it. Um, because if you look back to why these things were created, right, they were a way in to see like people's personal, like cool, interesting lives, right? But also like, do they have to be cool and interesting or can they just be like a living? Like, you know, I think that there's this weird pressure, um, especially when the pandemic started, Instagram became like everyone's little TV show. It was like <laughs> everyone became like performative on their Instagrams and like started going live. And I myself started to fall prey to that. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. This is not what this was meant to be. Like we all just, we all miss performing and we all want a place to perform. But like, is Instagram that place? Question mark. I don't know. Like, I think that, you know, some people who are well, well, well established performers, you know, like I think I look at Will Smith's Instagram, right? And it's like he goes in and creates like really intensely edited edited videos and then posts them on his social media. Like he's basically making like short films and posting them as his content on social media. And that's cool because that's what we kind of like know him as, right? We've always, we actually don't really get to see his personal inside life. Um, We're not privileged to that. But 
for me, I was kind of like, I don't know if that's my brand. I don't, or whatever the fuck that word means. I hate that word brand. Um, but I just used it. Anyway, <laughs> did I contradict myself? Yes, because I'm full of contradictions. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think that I just wanted to share with people reality. I always wanted to share reality. I'm like, yeah, today I have a zit on my forehead, whatever. Today I, um, I'm emotional about watching Michelle Obama's documentary. I'm going to post that. So you just, so you see that like, yeah, I, I could post pictures where I look hot as fuck and sexy, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I also could post photos where a moment where I'm like, this is just me being human, unedited and raw. Um, I think that those are important. And so my habit is to post anything that I would find uh, remotely interesting or a, a reminders of sorts. Um, uh, I, I like to repost those things. And I, I, I recently, you know, through the pandemic, I started talking about people using their own words. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with like video content. It's like we have the ability to create stories in the palm of our hands. Um, and so let's just do it and do it in a way that um, makes everyone feel loved and included. That is what it's about. Um, I'm going to circle back. You and I can have a talk about brand for like a, a week. But one of the things <laughs> that I think is successful for you is your authenticity, is your vulnerability, is your honesty. Um, but reality, look at reality television or other people's social media, it does have a lot of strategy, um, planning and rehearsed storylines and such. So do you ever find that you dance with that balance of strategy or are you just like full out Jelani 24 seven? No, there's a balance. I I mean, like I can't, it's, I don't know. It's a really, really interesting thing. Now that we're talking about it, I'm like, God, it really is fucking weird. Um, because it's like, I can't post like me, like, taking a shit on the toilet on Instagram, <laughs> right? Like, I, I just can't do that. But, like, at the same time, like, I do want to post myself, like, in a real moment. But then I also want to be like, well, who are my, who are the, who's the audience? Like, you know, my audience right now is very small and it's mostly, you know, young people. And so it's like, do I really want to be influencing them with, like, me being, like swearing every five seconds or like, you know, what really um, am I putting out there? Um, It's also a way of marketing for your business, right? So it is, there is a way that people look at that and they're like, all right, they begin to identify whatever images you put into the world as like, this is Jelani Aladdin, right? And so it's like, no, this is Jelani Aladdin on Instagram. But then they're like, no, I know you. I, I see your post. I, I I know you. And you're like, no, 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 no. You see my post. You don't know me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, so there's, there's balance and responsibility then for the poster, for me to be like, how can I make sure that whatever I'm posting kind of um, keeps people in line and keeps them understanding more and more of who I am? Let's say what you are revealing. Right. Right. Um, you got to save some for yourself, too, at the end of the day. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't put everything out there because then what really do you have for yourself? You want you know, you got to hold on to something for yourself. 
I want to get you out of here and get you on with your day. But one question, we are literally in life and death times. Mm-hmm. And I, I just love you. That's why you're here. So thank you. Um, <laughs> but how are the current situations affecting how you choose to live every single moment? It's been a journey because in the beginning it was like, if we're talking about just the pandemic, that's the first life and death situation. I think there's many life and death situations. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the pandemic first. The pandemic in the beginning, it was like, oh, lock up everything, protect yourself, don't go outside, don't even like think about going outside. Like I was like, I am going to be so safe with this. I'm going to wear gloves. I'm going to wrap my entire face up if I can, you know? Um, And then at a certain point when you realize, oh, this isn't going away. Back in March, I was like, oh, by my birthday in August, we'll be dancing in the street. I mean, like we survived this crazy thing. And it's now August, what, 14th? And uh, we're still in the heat of all of it. And so it's kind of like, okay, okay. I still, in the beginning we were like, there's no pressure to create art in quarantine. Just like, if you want to sit on your couch, sit in your couch. But as months go by, you're like, whoa, maybe this thing is never going away. Maybe I actually have to learn how to live with it, how to uh, readjust my life to make space um, for now the coronavirus. And now that means social distancing outside. It means, you know, sure, I'll go to outdoor dining, but I'll wear my mask until like the moment that I'm eating. You know, what what really is, what are the negotiations that we have to go through now as humans to, because we need coexistence. I mean, we need it. But also it's like, I, I want to live. I don't want anyone to die. And I don't ne- even want to be a person that gives the virus to somebody if I'm a asymptomatic person. But um, I don't have antibodies, so I never have never had it. <clears throat> but um, so 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 that's the negotiation of life and death in that moment is like really now deciding how do we continue to pursue our lives with this new um, threat? Um, kind of like how once you're born as a black man in America, you're like, you could be killed at any moment. Uh, And so you have to learn how to live your life with that threat. (laughs) You know, I grew up um, in Brooklyn and then went to New Canaan, Connecticut. And, you know, there are some moments where I'm like, I am seen now as the threat. How do I live? How do I completely um, find a way to have equal value of life as everyone else around me, knowing that uh, there is a microscope kind of on my existence to be like, to wipe it out. Um, And so that's why in the face of the pandemic, it's actually now become a little less scary to me because I'm like, oh, (laughs) I know what it's like to to live in uh, with the fear that your life can end at any moment. Um, and so the two, the, the two mirror each other. And I think it, it's no mistake that we're in this perfect storm right now where people are like suddenly waking up to racism because they understand what that feels like for just a second. Mm-hmm. They understand that, that, that what it feels like to be stripped of all your um, humanity and, 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 and not able to express yourself or live your life as fully as you want. Yeah. Understand that because my people have been understanding that for hundreds of years. Um, 
And so, and then if we want to talk about politics, <laughs> how much time uh, we got? We talk, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, if we want to talk about politics, it's like <laughs> my people. Over a hundred and fifty thousand Americans have died from this man's. By this man, I mean this president's, because he is our president. We have to say that he is, except the fact that he is the president right now. And his responsibility is his responsibility to um, take care of this nation, and he has failed. And uh, if you want to continue to have life, period, you must stand up for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, period. If you want life, because if we continue on, there will just be more death. And then you'll have to learn with living with the fact that your death is inevitable, mm-hmm. um, even though it already is because it's the end of every story. So it's coming for you at some point, but it could come for you sooner and faster than you ever expected if we continue under this current president. That is not opinion in my in my opinion. That is fact. You know, in my experience, that is fact. Um, and so... We have to really see our life in this um, high stakes ultimatum, life or death. And for the, and reminding Americans that at this moment, it is a choice. We often say like, oh, it's not a choice. Like um, being uh, LGBTQIA plus is not a choice. Being black, Asian, uh, Latino, Middle Eastern, that's not a choice, right? You're, you're born into the world as those things. Um, being disabled is not a choice. This moment, <laughs> life or death for our country is a choice. So make the right one. Thank you for that. And I want to land and bounce up now in a visionary, optimistic, Mm. where do you see yourself 10 years from today? Oh, man. I can't even see myself 10 minutes from now. (laughs) What do you mean 10 years? (laughs) Um, 10 years from today. Wow. I'll be at the end of my 30s. Um, I would have hoped to... um, I have told many, 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 many stories of the black experience through through the art forms of theater, television, film, and beyond. I see myself with a family, whatever that family looks like. I don't know. I don't really have particulars, but I do think I want a family. I see myself uh, running um, a studio, possibly. You know, it, you know, maybe I, I like a Tyler Perry almost. I'm like that 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 level of um, of kind of ownership of your craft is admirable. I think about like Oprah and her journey. I think about Lena Waithe and her journey. I think about Donald Glover and his journey. I think about um, Issa Rae and the journey she's on. I'm like, Lin-Manuel Miranda, I want to be, I want to be on that kind of a journey. Now, like we said before, that may be the blueprint, Mm -hmm. 
but then I'm going to find my own way through it. And I'm going to discover my own way to do it. And I'm going to discover, discover my own authenticity within that. Jelani, thank you for being on the show. You're amazing. And I can't <laughs> wait to see how this oh. happen. You know, me too. Me too. One day at a time. Well, actually one hour at a time. Let's be real. Um, one hour at a time. And um, I have faith. I have great faith in humanity. And and that might be naive of me, um, but I, I don't think I really, I really believe that we will come out of all of this stronger, better, more connected, more understanding, more empathetic, um, because that is what we were created to do in, in, in all earnesty. I think that that's what humans were created to do. We're the only uh, species that can really uh, relate to each other like that and, and, and develop and evolve like that. So I have faith, I have great faith that all will be well. Thank you, Jelani. You are an inspiration to me, and I look forward to watching your voice reach new places. We are at a global time of life and death, and I hope that Jelani's words inspire you to make good choices. I want to highlight how storytelling affects people. Beyond the business of creating and telling stories, Examine the personal stories that are passed on in your family and home, through your teachers and education, your colleagues and the work experiences or culture. Self-care and psychology is your responsibility, speaking up, practicing forgiveness, but recognize the fact that stories have the ability to not only change lives, but change culture. And as Jelani said, if we're not evolving as a business, we're not evolving as a society. Jelani and I would love to hear what you thought. So take a screenshot right now and then share your favorite takeaway with us. Be sure to tag Jelani Aladdin, that's two L's, one D, and Tony Howell to make sure that we see it. If you wanna learn more, then click on the link on the description of this episode because I've gathered a large list of resources that Jelani's mentioned. Videos, photos, and so much more. And then as a heads up, next month we do our second annual digital wellness challenge. So if social media and email and all of these things stress you out, I hope that you will join us. Hop over to tonyhowell.me and join our Changemaker community. There is a global community of actors, writers, dancers, producers, coaches. And if you join, you can get started right away with my free brand bootcamp or hop over and take a look at our digital wellness quiz to see how you currently rate yourself. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with Changemakers. Now, please go out there and use your work to change the world. Maybe you and I can have a conversation about it very soon.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.